0: So, we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 6, verse 27 to 36, titled Love for Enemies. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, just as your Father is merciful.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much. Good morning. It's great to be back with you. And uh, thanks for those of you who have been in touch since I was last here. And it's a real encouragement to hear from you. And welcome to those who are in the VIP lounge next door. I hope you're able to come and say hi after the service. Wasn't that a wonderful time of worship? Praise God. Praise God! Do you raise your hands in worship? To have, have interest. What What are we doing when we do that? Wherever you go in the world, if you don't know the language, what does this mean? What does this mean? I surrender. I surrender. Saying to God, I surrender. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I find the hardest thing about being a Christian is giving over control. I'm a bit of a control freak. Giving over control of your life to someone else. I surrender. You know, um, you hear about pop stars and film stars when they get a bit big for their boots. Have you heard about where they have like a rider in their contract so that wherever they go, they are only allowed to be given red M&Ms or they have to have the water at a specific temperature? Well... Last time I was here, I found the lectern a bit low. So I I had a rider in my contract for today. I said, the lectern needs to be raised because I can't see my notes. And so I've got here and the lectern's nice and high. And as I was doing the sound chart, I said, I think last time there must have been like a a little person doing the speak. And they said, yeah, that was Jim. And I thought that was so unfair. I mean, he's only an inch shorter than me. He's only a year younger than me, but, you know, much more trendy. Uh, But I've got the lectern at the right height today. Well, you're in the series in discipleship, and so I was praying about what to talk about, and I I just felt I needed to come and and just build on where, where I started last time in November. If you weren't here, then check it out online, about the power of forgiveness. This is something that speaks to the heart of discipleship. But now it starts to get tough. Because the natural outworking of forgiveness, according to Jesus, in the passage we just heard read, is to forgive and love your enemy. Wow. You know, it's always dangerous to read the red bits of the Bible. Has anyone got a red letter Bible? Yeah, okay, I would avoid reading the red bits. If, if, you, you know, if you want an easy life, avoid those red bits. You start reading the red bits of the Bible, you're going to get yourself in all sorts of trouble. Because we live in a world of fear and enemies. From Brexit to COVID to Ukraine. Wasn't it wonderful last night? The Ukraine won the Eurovision Beautiful, well-deserved. But we live in a world of fear and enemies. And we live in different times since 9-11 and everything that's followed. No longer take our security for granted. And there was the 7-7 bombings and the 2017 London Bridge attacks, the stabbing of Sir David Amos last year. And after the 7-7 bombings, there was an article on the BBC website that someone sent to me from Parish Priest Reverend Julie Nicholson, and her son was killed on that number 30 bus back in 2005. And you think I'm going to say that she wrote on there, as a Christian, I've forgiven the bombers. You think I'm going to say that, but no, she was much more honest than that. In fact, she resigned from ministry, and with sobering candor, she wrote these words, I cannot, in all good conscience, continue to preach what I cannot practice. I cannot forgive them, she wrote. I will not forgive them. I don't think they should be forgiven. They they don't deserve forgiveness. They deserve justice. And she was absolutely right. Would we have felt any differently? In other words, there are times when forgiveness seems just plain wrong. Perverse, even. So how do we reconcile a God of love and mercy who also claims to be a God of justice. Well, justice is about exact retribution. It's the basis of our legal system. The punishment must be proportionate to the crime. If not, it's unjust. But Jesus goes beyond justice and shows there's another way to live, a better way. Question. Question. How does an aeroplane stay in the sky? I mean, it doesn't make sense, does it? It's so heavy. And, and there's gravity as well. How does the aeroplane stay in the sky? Anyone know? It's a real question. I don't know the answer, by the way. No, okay, I do know the answer. The answer is that the force of gravity is overcome by a greater force, the force of aerodynamics, thrust. Now, does gravity disappear when a plane is in the sky no if it did then the plane would shoot out into space but a greater force comes and working together with gravity makes it fly it's what james is getting at in james 2:13 when he says mercy triumphs over judgment mercy trumps justice now does justice disappear When God forgives, by no means. In fact, there would be no forgiveness without it. But mercy comes as a greater force and working together with justice sets us free. Read Romans 3 when you get home. Paul explains it much better than I could. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All agree so far? But we, the sinners, have been justified freely by his grace. How? How do those two things go together? Because God presented Christ as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. He did this to demonstrate his justice. In Christ, mercy and justice meet. Well, that's the theory. But what does it look like in practice? Well, to our passage in Luke 6, Jesus says in verse 32, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them back. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend from someone you know is going to repay you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid. And we can identify with that. That goes to the core of, of who we are. i have scratch your back, you scratch mine. Someone does something for you, you reach in your pocket, see if you can give them a few quid in return. But Jesus is, is offering a different way. Remember one of his most famous parables, the Good Samaritan. Man gets beaten up, left for dead. The priest and Levite follow, pass by on the other side. And his enemy, the Samaritan, stops, helps him, tends to his wounds, puts him on his horse, leads him to an inn. And Jesus says, go and do likewise, I think because he knew that it was the Samaritan that learned something about God's kingdom that day, not just the man on the road. Not just the man on the road. The American pastor T.D. Jakes puts it this way, until you get up off your horse and get down in the dirt and meet the needs of someone who cannot pay you back, Not only will the person on the ground bleed out and not be who they were meant to be, nor will the person on the horse. Until you get off your horse, get down in the dirt and meet the needs of someone who cannot pay you back, not only will the person on the ground bleed out and not be who they were meant to be, nor will the person on the horse. So who's the man on the ground for you? Think about the person who encapsulates your biggest prejudice. The person you were brought up to look down on. The person you wouldn't want your children to play with their children. Have you got someone? What do they look like? They've got a different skin color, different religion, maybe a different lifestyle. What if Jesus said, that's the one I want you to reach out to? What if Jesus said, that's the one I want you to love and offer a hand of friendship? Remember Peter on the roof in Acts 10? Now, he was the leader of the church on earth. First time he preached a sermon, 3,000 people got saved. That's pretty good. But he had a problem. He hated Gentiles, especially Romans. They were the oppressors. They were the people we had to pay these unfair taxes to. And yet God was preparing a Centurion called Cornelius, to be saved, and he was going to do it through Peter and so God had to change peter 's whole mindset. The sheet came down from heaven, you read it when you get home three times a year I, I go to the sex offender 's wing in a prison not far from here, and I visit a friend of mine it's, It moves me every time. he came to faith in Christ, he handed himself in. To the police, and he's been there ever since. His family won't go near him. Plenty of people who would queue up to throw stones, and, and they've got every reason. But whenever I leave, like a broken record round my head, are the words of Jesus, in Matthew twenty-five, when he says, "I was naked and you clothed me; I was hungry and you fed me; I was in prison and you visited me." And the righteous will say to the Lord Jesus, "Lord, when when did we see you hungry?" When did we see you naked? When were you in prison, Lord? And he will say, whatever you did for the least, you actually did for me. You did for me. So if you're not sure who God is calling you to reach out to, to love, find the person who is most powerless, most rejected by society, most outcast, most Unworthy, and start with them, because no one else will. Can you imagine if we all did that? I mean, I talk, you know, I I go three times a year. I'm not saying this is my everyday life. I'm as much of a hypocrite as anyone else. But can you can you imagine if that was our priority? If we really said, you know, I mean. I I used to wear a WWJD bracelet until I realized how much of a hypocrite I was. It was pretty cool when I was 16. But, you know, can you imagine what would Jesus do? sort of people he hung out with. I mean, it would be exhausting. It would be frustrating. It would be thankless. And people would misunderstand our motives. And we we would get criticized. But it wouldn't be boring. It would be something to get out of bed for. You know, Jesus was accused of being a glutton and a drunkard for hanging around with sinners. He eventually got assassinated for it. But Jesus made a choice in his life. It says it in Philippians 2, 7. He chose to make himself of no... Anyone got the King James Version? Philippians 2, reputation. Of no reputation. Begs the question, how much does our reputation matter to us? Are we willing to lose our reputation for the sake of the gospel? Rick Warren put it this way. You can give without loving. Easy, isn't it? Yeah, I feel a bit bad for, you know, here's 20 quid. You can give without loving. But you cannot love without giving. You can give without loving. But you cannot love without giving. Remember when that woman touched the hem of Jesus' garment a few pages over? Luke 9, isn't it? What did Jesus say? Do you remember? He said, I felt power leave me. And and that's how it is if we're following Jesus. You know, this is costly discipleship. This is not Sunday Christianity. You know, we celebrated Palm Sunday a few weeks ago. Crowds and crowds shouting Hosanna, waving their arms. You know, it's easy to be a Christian on Palm Sunday. Who wouldn't want to be a Christian then? Caught up with the hype, hands in the air, palm branches. Uh, Not many there seven days later. Not many followed him to the cross on Easter Sunday. But it doesn't end there. I've got some more bad news for you, I'm afraid. Jesus said you don't have to go and find enemies to love. You already have enemies. Who is my enemy? Well, verse 27, it's anyone who hates you doesn't matter how you feel about them. If someone hates you, you have an enemy. Congratulations. Verse 28 is the person who curses you. The person who mistreats you. Have you got anyone yet? Or it's someone you hate. Maybe even someone you live with or used to. Someone you hold something against. The Christian response, says Jesus, is to combat their mistreatment By doing good for them. To combat their curses, verse 28, by blessing them. How do you start? Well, here's the kicker. You start by inviting them to dinner. That's not my advice. I think it sounds like a terrible idea, but Jesus said it over the page Luke 14. Told you not to read the red bits. Look it up for yourself. All right, I'll read it to you if you don't believe me. Luke 14, 12. I'm quoting Jesus here, okay? Don't blame the messenger. When you give a dinner or a supper, do not invite your relatives. That's the good bit. <laughs> stop there and we're all good. <laughs> you can have that one for free. Some of you have been waiting for that verse your whole life. When you give a dinner, do not invite your relatives. Who's got a new favorite Bible verse? <laughs> okay, all right. But knowingly, Jesus never stops where you want him to stop, does he? Verse 13. But when you give a feast, invite the poor and the lame and the outcast. And you'll be blessed because they can't repay you, but you will be repaid at the resurrection. So, how about it? For real. Next time you have a dinner party, invite the one who doesn't agree with your theology, or the one who winds you up, or the one you've fallen out with. I dare you. We're family. Just maybe you might find that in Christ, you can love one another after all. This is what Jesus is trying to get across. Love isn't a feeling. Forgiveness isn't a feeling. It's proven by our actions. You know, he says a bit later on, he says, if your enemy's ox falls into the ground, you pull it out. It's not rocket science. So back to Luke 6, verse 27. Love your enemy and, what goes hand in hand with that? What's the key to helping you to do that? And pray for those who mistreat you. Don't wait until you've made up before praying. One leads to the other. The antidote to holding a grudge is to pray for them. Not pray, you know, I know what you're thinking. I'm going to use the Psalms and say, Lord, may my enemies be thrown against the rocks. No, 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 that's not the prayer I'm talking about. Bless those. Bless those. Who mistreat you. Sarah and I were challenged about this a while ago. Someone had been, well, it seemed like they'd been gossiping about us. We'd heard things that had been said, and and it really hurt people we we trusted. And You know, the problem with putting your sermons online is that people will quote you to yourself. It's not fun. And someone said, what about that thing about praying for the person who persecutes you? And uh, so we tried it. Ah, it's really hard. Just praying that God would bless them, and prosper them, that they would do well. And, ah, it's tough. And it is. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. But the friend was absolutely right. They said, you'll either stop hating or you'll stop praying. One or the other. But this takes a work of grace. Grace. This is not something we do in our own strength. Oh, we love to sing about God's grace for us. But what ought to set us apart as his followers is our grace, our undeserved kindness to others. And if you're thinking I could never love my enemy, then you are absolutely right. And by the way, of course, I just want to put a little safeguarding in brackets. Of course, I'm not saying to invite someone to dinner if it's going to be a a really unwise or detrimental thing to to you? Of course not. I'm more talking about a, a sister or brother in Christ who we've fallen out with. But you're absolutely right. You can't love your enemy. But do you believe that God can love them? Because if so, you're not far from believing that God can love them through you. John says in John, Jesus says in John 15, 5, Apart from me you can do nothing. That is humbling but also liberating. Because as soon as you believe that apart from me you can do nothing, then you can say with all your heart those words I got us to quote last time. Philippians 4 13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Do you believe that? Can you say it with me? I can do all things Through Christ, who gives me strength. One more time. I can do all things through Christ, who gives me strength. And unlike former minister Julie Nicholson, or me for that matter, Jesus isn't one who preaches what he cannot practice. On the cross, he loved his enemies. Romans 5.10, while we were God's enemies, Christ died for us. He even prayed for those who persecuted him as the nails were being rammed into his wrists, what did he say? Father, forgive them. He prayed for them. They know not what they do. Final verse, verse 36. Be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. We love our enemies because he loved his enemies. And those enemies were you and me. We love, says 1 John four nineteen, because he first loved us. In the same way he loves us, we ought to love one another. Jesus says the two most important things in your life. In fact, he said you could summarize the entire law and the prophets in these two sentences. To love God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. So we come full circle. Back to the parable of the Samaritan. And the problem is that we assume we're the man on the horse. And we think to ourselves when leaving church today, oh, I really ought to help poor people more often. When, of course, you read the parable and you realize that we're the man on the ground. Broken, bruised, Depraved, desperately in need of a savior. And I wonder whether sometimes I've been like the, the other parable of Jesus who held a tiny debt over my brother when I've been let off such a great debt by the king. I want to close with a testimony from someone who can speak about this with infinite more authority than I can. Corrie Ten Boom. I'm sure many of you know her. She hid Jews during the war. She was a Dutch Christian and she was caught and sent to Ravensbrück concentration camp with her whole family. Her father and sister were killed, but she survived. And years later, she was preaching in Germany. And as she was preaching, she recognized one of the guards from Ravensbrück was in the congregation, in the audience. And she just felt rage bubbling up within her. She remembered how he that very God would beat her sister. She even wondered whether he'd been the one who, who'd took her alone one day and, and got her to strip naked while he watched. And, and she just felt this anger in the pit of her stomach. And to add insult to injury, as she finished preaching, the, the guard came forward and, and he said, Cory Temboon. He said, I was a God. Will you forgive me?
0: forgive me and I could not I remembered
1: the suffering of my dying sister through him but I was not able, I could not I could only hate him and then I said thank you Jesus that you have brought into my heart God's love through the Holy Spirit who is
0: given to me And thank you, Father, that your love is stronger than my hatred and unforgiveness.
1: That same moment, I was free. And I could say, brother, give me your hand. And I shook hands with him, and it was as if I felt God's love stream through my arms. You never touch so the ocean of God's love as that you forgive your enemies. Sorry. Group's going to come and join us. As they do, I just want to say the words of an old hymn over you, if I may. Does anyone remember the old hymn by Annie Johnson Flint called He Giveth More Grace? Remember? Let me just, read Let me just say this over you, and the group are going to lead us, and then we're going to just have a time of response. But I came across this a while ago. Uh, We're going through my mum's things at the moment, and uh, uh, she's in a care home. And and this was the one she used to sing when I was a child. He giveth more grace as our burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength as our labours increase. To added afflictions, he addeth his mercy to multiplied trials he multiplies peace when we have exhausted our store of endurance when our strength has gone and the day is half done when we reach the end of our hoarded resources the father's forgiving has only begun fear not that thy need shall exceed his provision Our God ever yearns his resources to share. Lean hard on the arm, unavailing, everlasting. The Father, both thee and thy load, will upbear. His love has no limits. His grace has no measure. His power no boundary known unto man. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth give giveth, and giveth again. Why don't we stay seated? This group are just going to sing a song over us. You can join in or just listen. I think the, the North Chapel are going to stay with us as we do this. And then I'm going to lead us in a prayer before we close our service. This is called Lay It All Down.
2: Lay it all down, lay it all down, lay it all down At the feet of Jesus At the feet of Jesus and pain Every cause you have for shame Lay it all down Lay it all down When your cares have buried you And there's nothing left to do Lay it all down Lay it all down At the feet Of Jesus at the feet of Jesus. on, but I was tired. Feet the worst on. and felt the fire. Lay it all down, lay it all down, feel with all those anxious thoughts, all your doubts became your gods. Lay it all down, lay it all down. Jesus, at the feet of Jesus, (laughs) lay it all down, lay it all down, lay it all down, lay it all down. all down, lay it all down at the feet of Jesus at the feet of Jesus Jesus. when we're giving up on better days there are memories we can't erase lay it all down Lay it all down We've come to feel what we can't explain There's nothing here to ease the pain Lay it all down Lay it all down At the feet of Jesus At the feet of of Jesus. Jesus Lay it all down. 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 At the feet of Jesus. At the feet of Jesus. Lay it all down, lay it all down, lay it all down, lay it all down. Lay it all down, lay it all down, lay it all down, lay it all down. Lay it all down, lay it all down, lay it all down, lay it all down at the feet of Jesus. The feet of Jesus. Lay it all down, 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 lay it all down. The feet of Jesus At The feet of Jesus
1: Thank you Lord Thank you Lord I'm going keep the lights dimmed No, we just wait on you Oh, this is all in your strength, Lord, and there's a fighting, fightings within us, Lord. But we we trust you. You don't have to trust the words of a preacher, but Lord, we trust you. You're not going to lead us astray. If we just keep our eyes closed, and if you know that you need, there's someone you need to forgive, that actually your own walk with God is is held back, tied down. It's like you've been walking with a limp because you've you've got this burden and you know you need to lay it down. I'm just gonna ask you to be very brave and just to stand. I'd love to pray for you. Every eye closed, it's not about seeing who else is standing, but it's just a way of saying, I'm gonna stand and be counted. Here I am, Lord. I don't know what it looks like, I don't know how it's going to work, but I'm ready to do whatever it takes to be free. It may need counseling, it may need lots of prayer ministry, it may be a long journey, but, but today is the day where I say, Lord, I'm willing, I'm willing to be free. I'm not going to let that person have power over me anymore. I'm not gonna let that event be given the authority to rob me of the joy of the Lord anymore. I just pray for those who are standing and uh, those who in their heart know they, they need to do business with you. Would you just come, Holy Spirit, just fill their hearts with your your love and your, your joy? Your freedom, the, the joy that only a free person can know. It doesn't mean we paper over the cracks. It doesn't mean we push under the carpet. That You're always going to have a, a, a scar from the wound, and it, God's going to use that to minister to others, but it's no longer going to be the defining part of your life. It's no longer going to be what occupies your thoughts when you wake in the middle of the night. Because God has more for you. God has more for you. He says the joy of the Lord is going to be your strength. You're going to be free to worship. Maybe the first layer of an onion, as I said, of the first step on the journey, but, but you've got to be willing in your heart to say, I surrender. Remember those two hands in the air? I surrender. I surrender. Give over control. Jesus if there's others who you know that you've been too safe in your Christian life you've only mixed with people who are not going to challenge you or just going to you know that you need to be willing for God to take you beyond the comfort zone to the margins and again you want to say to God I'm willing and I invite you to stand as well And Lord, we, we dare to pray that childish-seeming prayer, what would Jesus do? In my shoes, I have one life. I have one life. Don't get many of these blocks of 10 years and they're, they're slipping like dust through our fingers. And Lord, I want to make it count. And so Lord, we say in faith, because we trust you, we say in faith, however Whenever, wherever you call, my answer in advance is yes. Can you pray that in faith today? Lord, however, wherever, whenever you call, my answer in advance is yes. Bless you, Lord.